My Epic has joined the antidote. Lead vocalist, guitarist Aaron Stone, and bass player Jeremiah Austin are here on the mic tonight. Man, really good to have you with us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Also, according to Wikipedia, at certain times, Jeremiah, also original lead singer of the band. <laughs> not correct. Yeah, our Wikipedia is not what you want to go to for truth about the band. I, I'm kind of curious if I went and corrected it, if they would let me correct if, it. If they know. would incorrect your corrections. <laughs> the truth yeah. about it is, if you want the real scoop on my epic, it's right here on The Antidote with That's Dave right. Hawkins. <laughs> I thought everything on the internet was true. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, I'm sorry to bum you out, man, but no. <laughs> Now everything on TV is true. The That's TV true. is reliable. Okay, you had something really profound you were going to tell me. <laughs> no. Dave, you are mis you're misrepresenting me. I didn't say it was profound. The very first song we ever wrote as a band was called The Antidote. I was going to bring that up. Okay, you know that. Do you want to know where I stole the name of the show from? Probably not us. You did steal it from us. I did. I stole you it did? from us. No wow. way. Wow. The early stuff. And Don't now I have it. to ask your permission to keep using it. <laughs> Yeah, you, it's like one of your songs that you use? For real, you're joking with us. I don't use the song, I use the title. You can, you can use it. We've got complete rights to that word for every usage, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we'll let you use it. You, yeah. We will let you use it if you play the song every time you say the name. <laughs> and and credit my epic. <laughs> no. no, don't credit my epic, but you can play it. What's funny is there's only two times that that song ever comes up, and that's when either our friend Joe or our friend Lee is around, and they say, dude, got to play the antidote. Because they're from like the early days. And the funny thing is, I haven't heard it in a year. And that's because my friend Joe comes to this festival. So last year he's like, dude, gotta play the antidote. He's Joe from Comrades. I don't know if you've interviewed Comrades. Tomorrow. Okay, but they're like a little brother band. They grew up in the, in the same college town. And so every year it's like, dude, you gotta play the antidote. So you, this is the second <laughs> time. This ago. is the second time in, in one day. And also the second time in the last 364 days that that song's been brought up. <laughs> Now we both know the background for each. Yeah. And you're not embarrassed by your original stuff. Uh, no, I don't think we would use that word by anything that my epic's done. But I, I would say, we were just talking about this recently, there's a line of demarcation of the things where I don't have any regrets. Like I look back on everything we did before yet, and I think there's really good things about them, and there's things I like about them. Uh, and they, I would say for every one of those, for the demo, for the EP, for the first record, we did the best we could. Like if I meet someone and we start hanging out and they want to hear my band, I always hand them yet and yet on. Like to me, yet was where we, I still know we can do better and I still think we can continue to grow. But for me, it's, it's the first record that I look back on and say, yeah, that was the best I could do and I'm still thankful for it and I still believe in it and have felt that way about everything we've done. Except I don't love, completely love the production of Broken Voice, but I love every song we've written since then. So no, I'm not, we're not ashamed of it, but we don't market it. We're not, hey, listen, you should listen to The Antidote. No, I don't, no. Well, I'm glad you're not embarrassed by it, but <laughs> Jeremiah, we are going to get personal. What is it about Aaron that embarrasses you? <laughs> uh, what is it about Aaron that embarrasses me? So Aaron and I uh, have known each other for, I think, 11 years now, 12 years, something like that. We've been together. So you kind of get over getting embarrassed by one another, I think, to an extent, but... I really don't want to throw him under the bus. No, probably, very, very probably, very you know, like we used to tease him a lot back in the day. He would make really corny jokes and we'd call him a youth pastor. It was very kind of youth pastor jokes. Uh, but honestly, it's just like kind of within marriage or any close relationship, the same things that maybe irritate you or embarrass you are the same things you appreciate in the right time. So he's just extremely outgoing and sociable. And sometimes it's funny to kind of pick on him. And sometimes we're pumped that he's the one that we all are looking at and like, 
you got to handle this one, Aaron, because we're not able to handle it. So, your your strengths are your weaknesses. Yeah. So the things that make you strong are also the way you tend to overshoot yourself and maybe sometimes leave the power of the Holy Spirit behind and work on your own. And so yeah, I I tend to say the corny stuff. There was a period where the the whole band and in, in very much love. We're, we've always been brothers. We've always been very very close. People always ask like, are you guys gonna keep doing stuff? Well, we're best friends and half of us are related to each other literally as well besides by the blood of Christ so why would we not make music together but there's been a time where it was like okay unless you're introducing us or sharing the gospel please don't say anything <laughs> <laughs> you, you got to hear mine I, I need to hear yours now uh I don't yeah. know if I could guess it you probably could have guessed man that. what I don't think no there you'd never embarrass me especially not now uh I think the thing I value the most is how level-headed he is and at times early in the friendship that would really annoy me. Like, you should be pissed off too right now. You know, why aren't you more angry or why aren't you more opinionated about this? And now that's like, I'm glad that I'm the one who gets to have emotion and have force and there's a time and place where that's really needed. And uh, and I mean, the reason we became such good friends is our gifts are so complimentary and so different. So almost in every situation, there's no question who's handling what. It's like, oh yeah, that's definitely your gift set. Sometimes I wish you were on time more. I'd say that. (laughs) But it's my fault for having you so busy. (laughs) Kids that are from a small town and you go play their tent, like, what's it like to make it? To them, you tell them, what does make it mean? Because here's the reality of our lives. Then the other people that are like, well, you guys are playing a lot. What do you think you're going to do if you make it? To them, I say, what do you mean to make it? I get to hang out with my best friends. I get to do something I love. I get to use a gift the Lord's given me. I get to share the gospel, minister to people. That's all that ever is important to me. We started later in life. I mean, I was 25 or 26 when we got signed. They were 20, they were three years younger than me. So most of the bands, when they start touring, they're 19 or 20. We had our college degrees. Some of us had two. So we just took a different out. This is ministry and this is art. And whatever happens with it, I mean, we made tons of decisions even when we didn't have the money to make them. We make tons of decisions now and don't ever think about the money. It's just like, do we feel called to do it? Does it seem valuable? Then let's do it. So... Does this mean that because of your age, the next vehicle you're looking at to make it wheelchair accessible? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At 32, um, now at 32, the, the thing you're looking at most is your feet. You can keep running so you don't fall apart. We're going to get serious. We'll talk about music. Let's go way back, okay. way back, early days of my epic. So you first came on the scene back in 98, and you were known as the right wing conspiracy. Wow. No, I, I really. <laughs> I seriously hope this has nothing to do with that Christian grindcore band of the same name. Uh, I didn't know that was another band of the same name, and we'll probably be suing them very shortly. It was not grindcore. For, yeah, it was no. So the right wing conspiracy isn't really my epic. It was me and my brother Jesse, our drummer, and Matt Hogan, who was an original guitarist for my epic. It was the band we started in high school, and at the time. Uh, having a very myopic view of faith and religion. Um, one of my best friends, Jono, who was in the band, we asked his dad what we should name ourselves. And at the time, everybody was saying, like, the vast right-wing conspiracy. And he said, no one seems to know who that is, so you should just name yourself that, and then everybody will want to know who you are. And so we were a punk rock band. It was really punk. It was punk rock. That's what I grew up on. That's what we all grew up on in our band. And that was right-wing conspiracy. And then we all went to college together, and we changed our name to Shaddai. And then uh, right after my junior year of college, we were gonna go to Cornerstone. We were gonna play generator stages. Brandon Ebel or somebody from Tooth and Nail is gonna hear us, sign us, and we were gonna finish our year of college and be a real band. And we did all those things except we just went there and broke up. 
<laughs> and, and my buddy John, I was like, hey man, I love the ministry, I love you guys, but music isn't my calling. You know, at the time I was writing most everybody's parts, except for my brothers. And so me and my brother and Matt felt like we weren't done yet. And we wanted to keep making music and we were just starting to scratch the surface of its value as ministry and scratch the surface of art as a way to communicate and, and sensing the presence of the Lord through writing. And so uh, I think Jeremiah had, I met him when he came to visit the co same college we were at and he'd been in college for one year and I just said, well, I only know one guy I want to try out for bass. I have no idea if he's any good, but he's a rad dude. And Jeremiah tried out and showed up late, which I scolded him for. <laughs> and then um, the only riff I really wanted him to play, he never got the way I wanted it. And I was like, he's the guy. I didn't know anything about bass when I started my epic. I mean, that's just frankly the case. Uh, you know, I think I've learned a lot since, but I still don't know why you invited me in. It did make sense though. We met over like bonding over punk rock. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you were talking about being punk and then you go to do my epic. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. doesn't really fit into a genre box. Cause I mean, you guys are a bit hardcore, you're sort of post rock, some straight up rock. So what about now? Do you feel like there is a specific genre you feel more drawn towards? I mean, it's funny. Our friend Dan White, who owns Blood and Ink Records, he was he managed Shaddai for a while in college. We all went to college together. They used to list your genre under your band name when you were a new band. If you're playing a show and you hadn't played before, they'd write like punk pop or hardcore punk. And he asked us, in, and I was so adamant, I said, Christcore. We're Christcore, and Dan was trying to explain to me, people won't know what you sound like. And I like made this big theological stand, and I was completely an idiot about it. But, no, we don't worry too much about that. We still talk in terms of punk rock, and we still think in that term, like, about what matters to us. Like, we value the punk rock ethic. We value caring about art and sincerity and passion above everything else. I'd rather go see a band I love play awful because they mean it. Like, be so passionate that they're not playing great than a band play really slick. Instead of talking about how heavy things are, we talk more about how pissed things are. Like, dude, that's so pissed off. And that's from the punk rock world. I think our thing is kind of, there's a big dynamic of heaviness to softness, and we've always wanted that to be part of it. And the reason we named ourselves My Epic was because I kept telling the guys I needed to sound epic. And this was kind of before that word was played out on the internet. And then like two years later, we was like, we should have never named ourselves that. <laughs> but I think we do a big dynamic of heavy to soft. And then I would also say we, we do play heavy, but it's groovy. There's always a groovy element. Like there's always a groove to it. We swing a lot of beats. I don't mean groovy in the 70s sense, but in the sense of it having a feel. Most of us don't like metal. We like heavy, but we don't like metal. So things like the Deftones kind of informed our heaviness more. Things that still had a big groove okay. to them. Yeah, it was always important to us. We, we had a lot of influences in different genres, but it was also really important to us that everything we fit needed to still actually go together and make sense together. So I think what we each brought to the table and in our different personalities really helped make sense of pulling in, you know, nuances from different genres. Um, we can't stand as opposed to like, you know, back in the day, it was like, you just mix two genres and just see how it came out. Yeah, like it, it didn't never made sense. And, and that always know? bothered us when a band was doing, even if all three things they were doing, we liked, if it didn't sound like one new thing, we're like, man, it just sounds pasted together. And that was how I felt about a lot of heavy music in the early 2000s was, oh, uh, they just shoved emo and hardcore together and it actually sounds awful. Um, or I would like the emo part and I would like the hardcore part, but I don't want them touching each other. You like your meal, but you don't want the parts touching, unless it's gonna make a new meal, like make a gumbo or something. So, I mean, really, when we were starting my epic, we were finding all these new things that were punk. And really, I discovered a delay pedal and our first EP shows, like everything's got <laughs> delay on it. There's bands who paved the way too, like Acid's Burn and Thrice, paved the way for this genre. 
I still don't know what the best thing to call it is. I don't think we have paved new paths Yeah, here. I mean, we stand out a lot just because we play heavy music and I sing. That yeah. by itself makes you pretty small percentage yeah. bands. But sometimes you don't sing because you did that instrumental version of the Behold album. Yeah, which was really just Jeremiah going, I think everybody would like to listen to a record that you weren't singing all over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. No one exactly said that. exactly the pitch. No, it was Number just... one hit because of that. Yeah, it was. It was way more successful. <laughs> the music from My Epic has a pretty centered theme. I mean, the songs focus on Christ. Do you ever find that confining? I, I, I think I hear where the question is coming from. I would say no. Um, and I'm trying not to throw other people who don't sing this way under the bus. But um, Aaron's the main writer. He can definitely speak more to this. But I know just from our perspective and talking about it, first of all, the things to write about Christ and about God or to God are endless and should be endless. Um, and we're all constantly moving and growing. And to try to write about something that does not in some way turn glory to God just feels completely a waste of our time. If, if what the Bible says is true, if what we believe about God being the creator and he created us for his glory, I don't know how anything is related to it. And we never have to try to turn the corner. It's never like, how is this about the Lord? And also I would just say, we're not good enough to write that many songs that we would feel confined. <laughs> it's not like I'm cranking out 10 songs a week and I'm going, Guys, I just kind of want to write this song about my dog. You know, like, you know, I just got a dog. Like, I really want to write a song just about that. But I need to make it about Jesus. But I'd also say, I could see myself writing a song just about how beautiful, like, the Grand Canyon is. And I would not feel in any way that that wasn't glorifying to God. Yeah. And we're both on staff at a church. We teach our students all the time is, is it Christian is a really bad question to ask. Um, is it a, are they a Christian band? Is it a Christian movie? Or um, do they specifically even say the name of Jesus? Um, I, I love it when they do. And I hope they're not ashamed. But to me, if it glorifies God, does it necessarily mean that it has to quote chapter and verse? Um, there's something to be said if people are ashamed. And a lot of people will hide behind that. Well, I'm not ashamed, but for us, it's like everything's informed by it. We literally talked for 12 hours today, driving up here. And other than a few infantile conversations about farting, just, just to show that we're real people, uh, they were all conversations about the church and not because we needed to, but because we love it and about and about the gospel because that's what the more we fall in love with Christ and the more our hope is in what is to come and the more that I believe that's the real reality. Soon the curtain's going to be pulled back on everything else. Everything relates. Even having a dog the last two weeks, I'm seeing like, oh man, this is so like me. This is so like the Lord. Oh, I see you in this, Lord. Like, it's all right. How could it not be related, you know? I'll speak for Aaron too because it would, it would be a little uh, egotistical maybe for him to say it. But this is genuinely an outpouring and not a contrived, I'm in a Christian band, I've got to uphold this image. This is genuinely what he and us as a band just are talking about in our daily lives anyway. Um, it's, it's not contrived at all. Never um, once has there been a conversation about what does the label want? What do fans want? What do we have to do to stay in everybody's good graces? Like, and that comes from the punk, this punk rock ethos is funny that I think really serves our Christianity well, which is like, no, like Jeremiah is this famous quote that we've tried to live our lives by and it's super scriptural, but some guy in his small group said, he said his dad decided as a young man, he would do whatever he thought was right, regardless of the consequences. And we were like, that's integrity. And that's how we feel about our walk with Christ and our music. Like what we think is right is what we sing and what we talk about. And I don't want to waste a song on anything that doesn't feel valuable. Uh, I love some of the punk bands and ska bands that I grew up on that we've been talking about, 
I love some of their silly stuff, but when it came down to me, those weren't the stuff I wanted to listen to over and over again. So, so then what you're doing, you're doing this just strictly out of passion. This isn't to be successful financially or appearance-wise in the world. I know that's the cool thing to say is no, but genuinely no. Yeah, we don't <laughs> make a living off this. Like, we worked all week. We drove 12 hours today to play this festival. We played in Raleigh three weeks ago and probably played for as big an audience as we will here. But they asked us to come, and we thought, two days in the car with our best friends, and we get to sing about Jesus. But yeah, let's do it. If we can fit it in, we want to fit it in. Like, for us, talking about the band is talking about kingdom value. Does this have kingdom value? I can always write songs, and if they're of value, then hopefully they'll find an audience that needs to hear them. But to us, as far as my epic, we started it after we all had college degrees. We never made any money off of it. And until I became a pastor at the church I'm at now three years ago, ministry always cost me way more than it gave me as in a worldly perspective. So yeah, it's, it's completely a labor of passion and love. And that sounds cliche, but it's true. It's, it's very important to us and we take it very seriously. So we don't mean we don't care, like we're just doing this. If we get offered a show, oh, okay, we'll just show up. Like, no, we really do care, but not about whether people think we're cool. I mean, if you've ever seen a show in the last five years of my epic, you've heard Aaron say from stage, we don't care if you think we're cool. And that's genuinely the case that we're not here to make people think we're cool. We're here because there's an opportunity for people to hear the gospel. And it seems like it's still working. It is just also a good thing that it just so happens to be that saying, we don't think if you're, we think we're cool is the coolest thing you can say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, do you sing my epic songs in your church? I often tease artists if, if they're going to teach them their own songs, but you can. Yeah, well, so a lot of people ask me, well, why don't we play some of my epic songs? To me, it's a simple answer. I'm not the target market of our church. We go to a large church. My favorite band is Cigaros. You know, my favorite thing to do is like worship for me is like the other day, my best quiet time in the last month. Can we do a segment called my favorite quiet time of the last month? <laughs> it's it, You should start it every week. Uh, <laughs> it sounds so, so cheesy. But uh, I was sitting in my front room of my house and I had my Bible out and I was writing in my journal. And I, someone sent me a link to, someone took the theme to Jurassic Park and slowed it down a thousand times. And it is gorgeous. And one of my other favorite bands is a band called Hammock. And it sounds like a hammock song that they should have written. It sounded like the most epic movie, but it was an hour long when they slowed it down a thousand times. And I was just sitting there, and I was just like, God, you are so amazing. Like, this is amazing. That is nothing like my church, and that's okay. Like, my church really likes Chris Tomlin. When I got to our church, like, they love the song. There's a song called Redeemed by a band called Big Daddy Weave. So props to these guys, because I think they love Jesus. But when I first heard it, there was nothing about it that I liked. It sounded like kind of a cheesy Randy Newman song that should have been Toy Story or something like and I'm not meaning to throw them under the bus hopefully the whole story makes that clear but I heard it and I didn't like it but after hearing from a dozen people in my church man that song moved me that's my testimony and they tell me the, there's a lyric that says I'm not the man I used to be man that's my testimony and I see the work of Christ I say okay we'll play the song we play it and I see it at work in my body and I say that's fine we'll play it like so I don't judge what we play based on what I like and I just happen to think that our music doesn't suit our congregation very well. My dad is like, you gotta play Selah. My dad loves like Selah off the last record or, or Untitled or he loves, he loves Communion off the, off the first record or Lazarus. I'm like, dad, those are not corporately singable. That's a really hard song for a whole crowd to sing. So yeah, we don't play our songs and I, maybe there's gonna be a time and a place that maybe they'd work pretty well, but no, we don't. And it's because I don't think they are at this moment would be what encourages our church 
and I care more about what's going to encourage them and lift them up. And it just so happens that our music doesn't suit most of our people, and that's okay. This is a sore point for me. Yeah. Worship music, I find, lacks all art. When you sit there and Sunday and see a song, and how many different words are in the song? There are eight words. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. counted them. Yeah. I have issues with that. Why does worship music have to be dumbed down? I think there's two reasons, and, and he knows a lot more, so I'll give a little brief answer and he can go into more depth. Uh, first off, I think there's some growth happening in that area, you know, with even some of our friends like Ascend the Hill bringing some more integrity to that style. And um, some bands are, I think, are really stepping up and doing things that I'm like, I'm, I don't even just like that for worship. Like, that's actually a good. Because that is a thing you say song. a lot. Like, oh, that's good for worship. Yeah. And we mean the genre. But. Exactly. And But the second thing, you know, it's a hard battle. Um, I, I think that, that there is maybe, and at least was, and hopefully we're going out of it, a lack of integrity in theology in worship music. And that's what you were talking about, the words. And so few words. And what are we really saying with these songs? But, but like, as you was getting to earlier, the corporate singability of a song really is hard. I don't know if we could do it. Like we could try and sit down and we might eventually come up with something. We've talked about it, but that's a whole nother thing that I'm like, that's actually seems pretty hard now that I really so think about the, it. The bar for us to, to finish a my epic song, quote unquote, to be done with the song and want to put it out and call it a song. Cause we work on tons of things that we don't end up releasing. That's one of the best things we can do. I can write 10 songs today, but I wouldn't want you to hear any of them. I mean, I'm not joking when I say, like, on the last record, I, I spent 100 hours on, on the lyrics for every song. And the most of that was waiting and fasting it. But I mean, actually sitting somewhere with my journal and writing and going, no, that sucks, that sucks, that sucks. So for me, we've tried to write songs, especially the last few years since being here. I've tried to write songs that would work for the corporate church. And every time I either go, no, you know what? That's too complicated for 100 people to sing well. Or I go, yeah, they could sing that, but it's not good. So I'm not going to release it. And I've, and I've read some things that Dustin from Thrice has written about it. He's been a pastor for a while. Yeah. And he's had a hard time cracking it too. Like when, when I try to write songs that I think would work at our church, they, they sound like uh, they sound like everything else. And I go, I'm not going to put that out. So. Well, we've talked a bit about how other people have developed their music. How has my epic changed over the years? Uh, I would say organically, naturally. Um, if I'm going to talk specifics, uh, the beginning of my epic was us hearing lots of things that were different, still liking uh, not just heavy but emotive music. A game changer for me was Cool Hand Luke. They're such our, some of our yeah. best friends. Like they were so intense, but it wasn't heavy, quote unquote. And then I found a delay pedal. And then um, I'd say I Am Undone was, it was like maybe we only get one shot at making a real record. Everything goes in. And then with Yet, it was like, okay, even if we don't get to do another one, let's be more selective. And we went the opposite way. It was like we let out a conversation. Bass, drums, guitar, vocals, that's it. Nothing else goes on the record. And it made it so much stronger of a record because we didn't try to put everything on it. That record was also me discovering the baritone guitar. My riffs have gotten simpler every record. I've tried to be less impressive and just write better sounding stuff. To me, when I was younger, I thought complicated meant good. And now it's like, no, it's all about the melody. Like, where's the melody at and where's the dynamic? We've always talked with a band more when we write about the philosophy of a song. I mean, if anyone's ever seen any of our videos or documentary type stuff, we talk about the, like, where's this song at? How is it moving? What's the next feel need to be? Not what's the next, it used to be, okay, here's another cool riff that we haven't shoved on anything yet. Maybe that can go on this song. But now it's like, no, what needs to be the feel? And then have we written anything that has that feel or do we need to write something different? So, um, Broken Voice was, 
we wrote all these songs. We didn't have a practice space for a while, so I wrote on acoustic all the time, thinking they would just work on electric. And then we go to write, yet, like, oh, these songs don't sound good. This isn't the record we want to make. Let's put them aside. And then it was like, hey, we've got these songs that didn't work. None of us have ever wanted to do an acoustic record because when you're punk rock, that's a pansy thing to do. <laughs> but hey, we're more mature. Let's just give it a shot. And it did really well, and we were proud of it. And then Behold was Jesse and Jeremiah came back to the band. Tanner got to move to his native instrument, which is guitar, which he's a genius on. And Tanner and me got to do us, which is we as a band love ambient big things. Cigaros, hammock, explosions in the sky. We wanted to move more, not like sound like them, but that was something that's in us that we weren't expressing as a three-piece. Now Tanner's here, and I'm a riffy guitarist, and Tanner makes clouds. And that's what Behold sounds like. It's If you take away Tanner, it actually sounds a lot like Yet. And if you add Tanner, it's Behold. It's us going more towards what we love about being ambient. So is that the pinnacle? I hope not. <laughs> uh, we do have intentions to, to record soon. So hopefully it's not the pinnacle. Yeah. Like the Lord is an inexhaustible resource. I want to create because of the creator. So maybe in 30 years we look back and we go, oh yeah, Behold was definitely our best record. Everything else was not as good. But I think as artists, we'll still enjoy the process. Maybe we'll look back and go, that was the most unique thing we did. That was something that was maybe us. Maybe some fans think it's yet. Fans have been really gracious to accept Behold. But, um, but we'll still want to keep going because the creator's the creator. So to clarify, it's the best thing we've done so far. Oh, we definitely feel so. It's not a downward direction from any other thing yeah, that we've done. Yeah, two years it's... later, we love yet, but Behold's better. And fans can disagree, that's okay. But for us, no, it was definitely <laughs> a better song. Now, is there a song that does what Lower Still? No, but I don't ever want to rewrite the same song again. That's been another intentional decision. Every record was, we don't want to rewrite yet. Okay, good, now we won't because we want to do more ambience and Tanner does that. It, it was always been an intentional decision not to do the same record again. Okay, but saying that, so you're saying Behold is your best. Specifically, why is it the best? Why is it the best? Well, I mean, obviously this is an opinion. Uh, so why is it the best to me? Um, I feel like there's very little wasted sound on that record. I feel that there's very little missing sound on that record. I mean, I don't know how to better word it than that. It does everything that I think it should do. I don't look back and say, ah, we, we skimped on that one or we rushed into that decision. We should have maybe tweaked some stuff about that. Uh, personally, I love the stuff that Tanner adds to our band. It takes it to another level for me. Um, and everything just feels really just locked in tight, intentional. And, and stylistically, the kind of heavy that I like is closer to what Behold is heavy as opposed to um, Yet or I Am Undone or even the earlier stuff. That stuff's fine and I enjoy it and a lot of other people do, uh, but the kind of heavy that Behold gets to that just like more big, I, that, I just love it. So. Yeah, that and also I'd say, I don't know that I think of songs or albums that way. Like I, I always describe songwriting as like, when you write a good song, you feel like you've reached into some other place, like another dimension, and you start feeling the shape of something. And then you're trying to like redraw it or re-sculpt it in reality. And even though you've never seen it, like maybe you work on the tail and you go, no, that's definitely not what the tail is supposed to look like, but you've never seen it. But that's how it feels when you're writing a song. Like that's not right. And you don't know why it's not right, but you know it's not right. So to me, like beginning at yet, like I look at Lower Still and I go, that's exactly what that song should have been. Um, there's even very few production notes. There's like maybe two things on Yet that I wish were different, even in the recording. I go, no, we, that's really what we were trying to say. Is it the best record ever? No, who makes that decision anyway? 
But those songs were what they were supposed to be. But for me, why do I say Behold is better? I think we were progressing more. I think, I think, I agree, there's less wasted space. There's more space. But I'd also say that every My Epic record is a representation of the dudes that were in the room that made it. You know, Broken Voice is Aaron, Tanner, and Matt in a room doing our best work with, with Sid. You know, Yet is Aaron, Jeremiah, and Jesse doing our best work with Matt Goldman. Behold is Aaron, Jesse, Jeremiah, and Tanner doing our best work. Now maybe if we weren't working full-time jobs, it would be even better, but we were. Maybe if we were making Yet, we weren't so poor and had to eat McDonald's all the time, our heads would have been clearer. I don't know, but no regrets. Like, if we don't think something we've made is better than everything we've done before, we won't want to put it out. That's why you wouldn't hear another My Epic record. Because every time we get together, it's not better. And we would know it. We'd go, no, we don't think it's better. So we'll always think our new stuff is our best or you wouldn't hear it. I am in agreement. Behold is the best, I think, that you Thank put you. out. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. to hear it from you guys first. Yeah, the, well, only, I, the only record I'm okay with people saying is better is Broken Voice because you don't like heavy music. When people say yet, I'm like, that, okay, that's fine. That's got to be a little nostalgia in there. No, see, I understand <laughs> it because it's, it's more raw. But okay, also Jeremiah says that because he's too humble and he loves people saying Broken Voice is our favorite because he had almost nothing to do with it. <laughs> so for him, it's like he can wear Broken Voice shirts and not feel weird. Yeah, but, but our parents' <laughs> favorite record is Broken yeah, Voice. Yeah, because they're moms <laughs> and stuff. I mean, it's, writing is terrifying. We're doing it now. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do it. I wait and wait and wait until we feel like it's the best we can do and then you hope the Lord uses it and you pray the whole way through. So anytime someone tells us they like anything, I just beg them to pray for us. And that's something we're going to look forward to this year, next year. Trying. We're trying to get something out by the end of the year. And what we want to try to do, should I put it out there now so we're accountable to it? Don't tell me it's going to be a Christmas album. No. Well, first of all, that's, <laughs> no. that's not happening. We, <laughs> He's are, looking at me like, I'm like, should I say it? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it. So we have to try. The goal is maybe we'll fail so miserably. Maybe people write, tell us, give the address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Write, write us an, yeah, write us a letter <laughs> if you don't. We're going to try it. We're not probably going to do an album maybe ever again, but for a long time. But instead, because we do want to put music out, we would like to try to release two to four songs every year at the end of the year. That's maybe a flow that we can upkeep. The last record, Behold, almost killed us working full-time jobs. We would come to practice already exhausted, figure out why these songs suck so bad and how we can fix them. So I think if we can write two, three, four songs every year over the summer and the fall and record them and release them as EPs that have really focused themes and really thought out, we're hoping that's a flow we can upkeep because we don't want to be absent. We might not be at, present on the road, but we want to be present as a band. So hopefully you'll be hearing two to four new songs, if not Christmas, winter or early spring at the worst. We're, we're writing currently for what it's worth. I'm, I'm always writing, but we're starting to get together yeah. to write, so. Okay, so now everybody wants to keep track of exactly what you're doing, so how do they do that? Uh, we need to get somebody who's better at doing social networking than I am. Yeah, Jeremiah's the guy. If you have qualms, Dave, it's all on him. Uh, you know, that it's a, that's an area where I ebb and flow in my uh, conviction of wanting people to know that we really do appreciate the fact that they care about my epic, and we want them to know that we do too. Uh, but we are just so involved with work, which is church for us and, and uh, other jobs for other people. I mean, the, the idea would always be that we get to do the band full time for a long time so that ideally it would be kingdom work, you know? I think now we're all really committed to the local church and I don't think any of us wants to live on the road anymore. I don't know that we think that's healthy long term for anybody to be that separated from the local church. But yeah, the Facebook and the Twitter and whatever Facedown Records says is pretty reliable. 
Okay, so really what you're saying is that only go to social media if you really, really have to, because otherwise we're putting more demands on Jeremiah's time. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love yeah. yeah, if we've got a show, we'll usually put a post and an Instagram and a tweet about it, if not two or three, and that's, that's it. Now, if we've got a new record coming, I think we do a pretty good job at making sure that we get the word out as best we can. For the record, we love the interaction. We're flattered that anybody gives a crap, and we would love to answer every email, but we stay busy, period. You know, the Lord is coming back and the work is serious, and so if we're not full on with my epic, we're full on with something else. It's always on our hearts and on our minds. We've been here with both Aaron and Jeremiah of MyEpic. Guys, great music, even better conversation. Thanks for joining The Antidote. It's been a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we do.